Hi everybody and welcome to this episode of Coffee and Conversation. My name is Shannon Daniels and I am a communication expert as well as the founder and CEO of Encaptive, which is an interactive presentation platform that makes your presentations, events, and training sessions interactive audience experiences that convert. And today I am joined by Peggy Budd of Speaking Skillfully. Peggy is a trainer, a coach, and a professional speaker. And today we are gonna be talking about the gender communication divide. Welcome, Peggy. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you so much for inviting me. My background is language and communication. I'm a licensed speech pathologist as well as a licensed school administrator. I use my background and knowledge of communication to coach business professionals and ensure that they are able to effectively communicate, whether it's writing a resume, uh, leading their teams, doing a presentation. And uh, I'm so happy to be here and share because communication and bridging the gender divide is something that I think we talk about a lot and is very important. Yeah, I agree with you. And when you mentioned this as being a topic for us to discuss, I got really excited and I started digging into all kinds of information. And I know that you have a lot of great stuff that you're going to be sharing with our audience. So I can't wait to dig into this. So why don't we just start getting into it? Let's right? do it. Uh, first, before we start talking about communication and the gender divide, I think it's first important to understand the difference between gender and sex, because I think a lot of people use those terms interchangeably, right? And sex is what we're born, right? It's we're, we're a male or we're a female, but gender is really how we identify and it's a social construct, really, right? And I guess that's, that's how people are viewing it today. It's something that's fluid and is changing and probably what we say about it today is not what they're going to say about it 10 years from today. Yeah, you're right. And, and really, gender falls into our societal roles, right? And it's created through communication. Being communication experts and our backgrounds and where we come from, we understand that our world is created through communication. From the time you are born, you don't know the difference between male and female and black and white and what's up and what's down until someone communicates it to you right? That's right. And actually, uh, some of the ways we communicate and begin socializing our children is from the time somebody even realizes they're pregnant and learns the, the, the sex of their child, they start planning things. Most little girls come into a world and go into a room that's got pink and, and little furry dolls and rabbits and whatever. And little boys come into rooms that are much more uh, maybe primary colors have sports or science or something because we are as a society we project that yep. and yet as we grow up things are different one of my favorite things to tell people is I am sure that the mothers of the Yukon basketball girls basketball team when they were born probably had pink rooms and I'm sure they didn't have any basketball lamps on their you know in their <laughs> rooms yet they grew up to identify and do this. So we have this, but that doesn't mean that's who we are when we grow up. 
Right. And it changes between cultures, right? Absolutely. Different cultures have different uh, gender constructs and different male-female identification constructs. So the way in which some see the male's role and some see the female's role in different societies and different cultures and different backgrounds all varies, right? That's true. But one thing I don't know if you know is the way we develop language. What we have found through research is, one, little girls start to talk usually. Now, of course, when I say things, we're gonna talk about tendencies, it's not 100%. But little girls generally begin to communicate at an earlier age than little boys. Mm -hmm. But what they have found is it doesn't matter what language they speak, what culture they come from, it's got to do with neurobiology. So they actually begin to speak at an earlier age. Little girls, in no matter what language, tend to use more words mm. and more complex sentences than little boys and it's it's up here it's hardwired it's not that society is teaching them and it doesn't matter whether they're speaking uh, some dialect of Chinese or English or any other language yeah, okay that's really interesting that's good to know and I I want to go back to what you were saying about the little girls playing basketball and how we're growing up with pink rooms or blue rooms and we're identifying ahead of time. I know a lot of people nowadays who aren't painting the room pink or blue, they're painting it gray or yellow or trying to make it ambiguous. And my sister just had a baby uh, six weeks ago and I'm really excited to be an auntie. And she and her husband have said, listen, he can grow up to be whatever he wants to be as long as he's not an asshole. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. And that, that's their goal, is just to create a safe and loving environment, a home, and help encourage their child as he grows up. And I know growing up as a little girl, I was considered a tomboy. We communicate these things, right? Oh, you must be a tomboy if you're a girl that likes playing sports or running around and playing in the dirt or whatever it may be and climbing trees. That was me. Or you must be a wimp or a wussy if you're a little boy that likes to play with dolls or take dance classes. And so it became this construct that was communicated to us and what our gender roles are and should be. And when I was growing up, I preferred playing with my cars and my transformers to playing with Barbies. Don't get me wrong, I had Barbies, had fun playing with Barbie too. Um, but also when I reached high school, I was the only girl in power and transportation technology and taking engineering and construction related classes. And that's what I was interested in. And I was very lucky that I had parents that supported that. And my sister grew up being a soccer player. She started playing soccer from a very young age. She ended up with a college scholarship to play soccer. And she still plays to this day. And so it's interesting to see how these different roles are communicated to us and how that manifests as we grow older and shapes us. Well, a couple of things that made me, um, that I would like to comment on. When you talk about how how we're socialized, some of it, again, goes back to how we're hardwired. I love to share the story about my granddaughter who played with the same dinosaurs that my grandson played with. And they were given to him and he played with them and of course the dinosaurs always roared and ate each other and were fighting because <laughs> that's what dinosaurs do. However, when my granddaughter had it, we watched her one day, she had actually taken these big rubber dinosaurs and put on some of them, she actually used marker and put eyelashes because she wanted some of the dinosaurs to be girls. 
and then she created a dinosaur wedding. <laughs> and it was so adorable. And in the end, though, dinosaurs will be dinosaurs. And I think some, I don't know if the bride ate the groom or the groom <laughs> ate the bride, but it ended up in that same thing. But it goes to the fact that some of that, her need, my grandson never needed to have a dinosaur wedding. And we didn't tell her that she should treat them like dolls. Right. She just did that because we know that how little girls and little boys communicate is innate. I was sharing with you a little while yeah. ago about sports, because you were mentioning sports. Yep. If you watch little boys and little girls before play a sport, and we'll just say soccer, because you mentioned soccer, before they understand the rules, before they understand really what it means, and their, their parents sign them up and they get out there, you watch those little girls, they're running around the field, they're giggling, they're having fun, they're talking to each other. They're not talking about soccer. They don't even know what's going on, but they're having fun. The little boys, they communicate not to build relationships, which is what girls innately we know, and this grows, goes into women, but little boys communicate for information. So if you watch these same age children, these little boys are not gonna be talking to each other. They're going to be standing there where they were told, this is your position, that's where you stand. <laughs> and they may say, get the ball, my turn, you know, I got it, or yay, I won. Over here, over here. Yes, <laughs> but they don't have those interactions. Again, that's not something we teach children. It's not something that we painted their room pink or blue. They're going to be like that no matter what because it's hardwired in their brains. And I find that very interesting. So we have to start um, keeping that in mind when we think about the gender divide because some of it is just there and that's who women and men are. Yeah, so that leads me to a question, how much of it, we talk a lot about nature versus nurture in general in psychology and life and communication studies. How much of it is actually hardwired versus socialized. Is there any indication of that, of this gender divide? I've never seen a study that says 50% is this and 50% is that. I think that there's a, a, an ebb and flow of it, but we know that there are things that are hardwired. Like I just said, we know that women communicate to build relationships. In some ways, that's what gets women um, I don't want to say in trouble, but difficulties in the workplace because they have difficulties sometimes being assertive, like I have to fire you because you didn't do the best job, because they want to be liked. They, they forgot that there's a difference between being liked and being respected. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it interferes. The other things that we know are hardwired are things like our actual vocal range. That women are born in most cases with a higher vocal range than men. Mm -hmm. But then we go back into history and we know that since historically most leaders have been men, people are used to hearing a, low, a lower tone as the sign of an authoritative leader. If we go into thinking about the movies, Think about uh, a, a Charlton Heston type voice uh, yeah. as he was playing God in the Ten Commandments. Really yeah. You low want and that, booming. and that was the sign. That was what people equated as that strong male leadership 
and and women had a higher pitched voice that became sweeter and so they were the nurturing mother type and it caused a problem it caused a lot of unconscious bias as we are aware of it today because your vocal range you can't change we have to be aware of it but it doesn't mean things mm -hmm. uh, and so what we have to do is use our words to establish our credibility, to establish our um, assertiveness, and to establish our confidence. Makes sense. Yeah. And it, we've come, it seems, a long way since we first started out, right? <laughs> and, and what these gender, just even I'd say in the last 50 years, and Absolutely. the gender roles in society and how a women, women can communicate, what jobs they can even have or do. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about, we, we've talked about the early years and the formative years. Let's fast forward, jump straight ahead, kind of skip over all the college stuff because we could spend an hour on that <laughs> alone and what you decide to study and what you decide to become. And let's move into the workplace because there's been a lot of talk about disparity in the workplace right now. And I think a lot of people don't realize the role that communication plays in that gender divide of things. We hear a lot about talking about pay inequality and things like that, but let's first start about communication in the workplace. I, preparing for this, came across a really fascinating Forbes article that talked about the different strengths and weaknesses of women and men in the workplace. Um, and this is based on a study done by Carol Kinsey Gorman, who is a communication expert who studies um, nonverbal and body language in the workplace and they had women talk about their top three strengths and their top three weaknesses and men do the same and when we're looking at them women said their strengths were the ability to read body language and pick up nonverbal cues uh, listening skills and effective displays of empathy whereas men said that their strengths were commanding physical presence their direct and being to the point type of ability as well as their effective display of power so all these things you're talking about that women and men display at an early age were also shown to be prevalent in the workplace and what people saw as their weaknesses or sorry as their strengths but at the same time some of these things have led to what they report as being their weaknesses as well so for example women being overly emotional uh, meandering meaning they don't get to the point they use their words like you were just saying to try to articulate their value and their meaning and they're not authoritative and part of that comes from vocal tone as well which was part of what the study showed and for men their weaknesses are also tied to their strengths like being overly blunt and direct can be a problem, uh, being insensitive to audience reactions, so not having as great of an ability to read body language and nonverbal cues as women, and being too confident in their own opinions <laughs> also that's, was a weakness for men in their communication. That's great, and Shannon, if you think about it, it go, all of that in some way is linked to the fact that women communicate to build those relationships mm -hmm. we can't build a relationship with a one-word answer or a one you know a three-sentence answer we have to all of us uh, but men have to use more than that but men just they're only looking for an answer even you were talking about listening men listen until they think they hear the answer because they once they think 
that they have the answer they want, they forget that somebody is going to tell them more. And so oftentimes they miss what's going on. Um, so that is goes to that relationship and mm -hmm. communicating for information versus communicating to build relationships. Right. Uh, and so it's it's all linked in, into your strength, and I think that's great. Yeah, and so I thought that was interesting, and I want to bring that back to something that we that I mentioned, which is the pay gap, which is something that's been talked about a lot in recent years and the equality of men versus women. And in 2019, a woman was making 79 cent to every dollar a man made, which hasn't that's an improvement. It's still not equality though, right? But how does um, some of this communication stuff lend itself to that? For example, in this study that was published in this article, she talked about how women tend to think that the value of their work, if they work really hard and have really good results, they'll get those promotions, they'll be paid with their worth, whereas men are more apt to communicate very directly their value to their superiors and make it very clear like here's my accomplishments here's what i did whereas women kind of slough that stuff off what are some other things you see in the communication realm and the communication sphere that might be holding women back in the workplace okay well first of all you're absolutely right and what has happened is from the time we and we have to go back into how we're raised because it's all related to how we're raised uh I want to say that even if you look at what we see on television, what we see in the movies, when children watch, children, they're models of even what they're doing. Leaders, if you're a little girl, is probably a princess or a mommy, whereas boys, they can be anything. We don't have a lot of uh, television or stories where the hero or the main character is this strong woman. It's not. They're working on it. They are also, if, if you freeze, it's very interesting, if you freeze frame like a cartoon of a, of a town scene, you will see that about 70 to 80% of the characters drawn in that scene are male. Hmm. Now we know 50% of the people in this world are probably women and men. It, we're about equal. Yet, and it doesn't cost any more or take any more talent to draw a man than a woman, but they tend to draw lots of women, men and throw in women. So even when girls watch something, they get this feeling that they're not quite worth the same. Mm. And so, and they're brought up that if, you know, you have to really work hard, they're held to a higher standard, and when women in the workplace, they feel not only if they work hard, they'll be rewarded, but that they feel that they have to prove that they can do everything. So if a man sees a job opening, he's more likely to say, oh, well, I've done this and this and this. Well, I can do it because I can learn. Well, the woman could also maybe had two or three things. Oh, well, you know, I'm not going to apply for that job because I need to do these other things to, to get ahead. Some of that is where we've got that pay gap yep. so that women uh, are starting out at that same place, but then the men are moving ahead more because they're looking for the promotions, they're going for them, and the women are waiting till they feel like they have all the experience. Yep. So that's one of the one of many reasons that the, there's a pay gap. Yeah, and I can speak from personal experience with that. I started my career very young, 
I started in corporate America when I was 19 years old. I started working at Merrill Lynch and I quickly worked my way up the ladder. I was very blessed to have been hired into an organization that saw my value, saw me as the next leader of the organization or one of the next leaders, the up and coming leaders of the organization. They wanted to train me to grow and become a leader within that organization. So I had a lot of opportunity there. Um, so I grew in my roles very fast. I got promoted into management and higher level positions very quickly. I was making six figures in my 20s and I was a VP in my late 20s and running departments and heading things up in my late 20s and early 30s. So I moved up the ladder pretty quickly. and. When I left one job because I was recruited to another job, I came into that next job and was told what my salary would be. And there's transparency in that organization, so I was able to see what my predecessor's salary was. And it was a man. And I asked, how come I'm getting $20,000 less a year than he was? And they said, oh, because we have a scale and he was here for longer and you're just starting out, so we have to start you at the bottom of the scale. And so I looked this person up on LinkedIn and looked at their years of experience and looked at their background and I'm like, I have way more experience doing this job in these types of roles and just more expertise in what I'm doing because of the history, yet they're gonna pay me $20,000 less and when I asked them about it and pushed back about it a little, I was still kind of meek about it because I was still young and learning sure. um, my communication and how to communicate my value to the organization. I was told, well, that's just what it is, take it or leave it. And I should have pressed harder or done something a little differently, but it's true that women tend to back off of those things more so than men. Men would be harder in negotiating that kind of thing. So can you talk, that's something that's come up a lot and I've heard a lot about, which is talking about negotiating salary and negotiating promotions and talking about your worth within an organization as a woman. So what, have you seen in that area of communication and what would be your recommendation to women on communicating their value within the workplace? Okay, well, first of all, uh, we know that women are great negotiators if they're not negotiating for themselves. <laughs> so if, a, if you have a woman and she has to negotiate for her group, she's good at it. But once once she has to only advocate for herself, which is what you were doing, if you were advocating for a group of people that work for you, I bet you would have not accepted that. Nope. <laughs> the other thing that that salary discrepancy where you're talking about uh, comes from in some way is it was viewed that if a woman was working, and this again, it's an unconscious bias that comes from a long time ago where a woman, well, she was working, but she had a husband. She had somebody who was gonna be earning the living. Mm -hmm. I remember when I first started, and I began in public education, and I was, uh, I was consulting to a private school, and they told me in the private school, the director of the school, when he hired, and it was a man who was the, the director, when he, when he interviewed and hired a woman, he automatically had a lower salary because he assumed she, they didn't have to spend that money from the school on her because she had somebody else. It was a second income. Probably just saw my eyes roll back yes, in my and, head. Yes, and they should have. <laughs> and I mean, she could have been, a, uh, it could have been a single mom. It could have been that 
a stay-at-home dad. He didn't inquire anything. It was like he saw a woman. He didn't ask any questions. That was her salary. And men, he always started them at a higher level, even if they were less experienced. Again, that's unconscious bias yeah. that has taken place. I just want to share something we were talking about earlier uh, regarding women. If uh, people remember a few debates ago, uh, Amy Kobachar was on the stage and they were talking about women and she looked at, at Pete Buttigieg and she said to him, I'm really glad that you're on the stage with me. However, I want you to know that if I was only the mayor of a small town that I would not be on the stage but you, because you're a man, you're not held to the same standard. So this happens whether it's, it was in corporate America 20 years ago, whether yeah. it's today, we have that different standard. All the women that have literally run for president uh, have always been at least a senator. Hillary Clinton was a secretary of state as well as a senator. They have had a lot of experience, more experience than some of the other people that are running, uh, and the same is true today. So women are always held to a higher standard, mm -hmm. and we have to start saying we are as qualified, but it comes from us as women basically saying, I can do this, not waiting to say, well, when I get all these other experiences, I'll go for it. Yeah, and that's a really good point. So women out there, you can do it. Men out there, it's about quality, it's about qualification, it's not about whether someone's a male or a female. Absolutely. Right? And so women, it comes down to working on your communication skills and understanding these communication differences. And for men as well, um, men, sometimes they don't understand how they come across that their greatest strengths can be their greatest weaknesses and that's part of why we're having this discussion right now is to understand how the different genders communicate differently and how that affects the outcomes in the workplace and in life in general we're really focused on the workplace today but uh, maybe we'll follow up and talk about life in general in another <laughs> episode so you mentioned unconscious bias. So I want to bring us there a little bit. And one of the things that I say about this whole communication divide here is that men are, they do tend to be more strong in their communications, more concise, more just kind of bull in a china shop straight through, say what they mean, mean what they say, and just get it out there. And when a man takes the reins and communicates in that kind of way, they're seen as a strong leader, as someone who possesses leadership qualities, who is very adept in their job and their expertise and deserves to be standing on that stage or to be president of the United States or whatever it may be. But when women tend to communicate that way, they get pegged as being a bitch, pardon yeah, my language. And do. you hear it over and over and over again. Why can a man stand in front of a room and be very direct or even raise his voice and be loud and be strong, but when a woman does it, she's emotional and she's flying off the handle. And we talked a little bit about the tone of voice and how that affects things. Uh, I was reading in, again, that study that women, um, they have, let me find it, they have they use about five different tones when speaking, whereas a man only uses three. And what that does is it causes us to sound 
more emotional Correct. as well, even if we're not. It's just we have different tones in the way in which we are talking. Right. What happens is when depending on what your vocal range is. So if you're a man and you've got this lower vocal range and you raise your voice, meaning you increase your volume, or you're feeling stressed, and when we're stressed, we tighten up our vocal folds and tighten up our body. And if you've got a lower vocal range and you do that, it doesn't have the same effect because yes, you might sound a little higher pitched and there might be some sound but it, you've got a long way to go to get that high shrill tone you've got a woman who's already at the high shrill and she becomes either agitated and nervous so she her vocal folds get really tight and so now her vocal range becomes very high and as i said historically that sounds like you're not confident i, I don't know what you're talking about i don't know what you're doing uh and then on top of that, women oftentimes use language that makes them sound less confident. So for example, women are very likely to apologize for everything. I'm so sorry that I have to interrupt you. I'm so sorry that you're going to have to stay for this meeting. I'm sorry about this. I'm sorry about that. All of us, all of us shouldn't be doing this, men and women, and I do hear men do it. Yes. Please don't you know, misunderstand, yeah. but women do it more. Yeah. And my advice is become conscious of not saying you're sorry. Think about it. If you really, if I picked up this cup of coffee and I spilled it accidentally on your lap, I better apologize because I do feel sorry. Please but, <laughs> but uh, we don't want to apologize for things that we really don't mean and it makes us sound less confident. Yeah. My advice is get somebody to even give you some visual cues like a partner at work when you're sitting in a meeting or a friend so that people start heightening your awareness. The other thing we do is we use words like just. <laughs> I See, I just, wrote that down. I just want some, I just want a little time. When you say that, you even sound less confident. Mm -hmm. So if I say, oh, Shanna, I just want a moment, that sounds very yep. uh, not strong. Where I'm, whereas if I say, Shannon, I need a minute, what a difference. Yeah. The man is more likely to say, Shannon, you know, I need a minute. Yeah. And so he's going to sound like he's a leader. So we have to think about the words to um, take control, not because we can't do anything about our vocal tone, our right. vocal range. We can't do anything about our volume. Even that, a man can oftentimes stand in front of a room and speak without even a, speaking with a microphone. Uh, or a, if you're me and very loud mouth and used to speaking to a room, right. you can scream. Right. Or a woman can do it, but she's yelling and so her vocal range is getting higher so even though she can do it it's not impactful yeah. one of the reasons again that's hardwired physiologically my ability my air capacity the way i speak my lungs all of the things are just not as big and so i'm not as capable of producing the same volume than a man is yep and so that doesn't make me less competent, less of a leader, but I have to realize that. And if I don't realize that, 
then I'm going to be doing myself a disservice. Yeah, and I was just writing down some notes while you were talking and that whole just and I'm sorry, those are things that I used to do. And then I read an article several years ago, probably seven, eight, nine years ago that said, words never to use, just and sorry. And it's something that I find myself doing when I'm writing emails or something. I used to do it all the time, just, sorry. And now I realize the only time I use the words I'm sorry or I apologize is when there's been an extreme delay in getting back to someone or so on something or if I really do owe someone an apology for something. But that word just, I proofread it out of every email and I've gotten in a habit where I don't even write it anymore. And I have actually caught some men using yes. that word as well where someone would be writing an email on behalf of Incaptive and I would, they'd say, hey, can you take a look at this? And I would say, remove every just, because you're not just, because that's wavering. You, you wanna take out any language, whether it's the word just or sorry or anything else that makes you sound meek or wavering. And this goes for women or men. And to really own your value, just get out there, make your point, be clear and concise in what you're saying. It's not rude. And I think it's because as women, when you look at the studies and as you were talking about earlier, we tend to be more empathetic and we're more about building relationships. And so there's this fear that if we're direct and to the point and we're right. not saying, we're not coding it in niceties in the way we communicate that we're going to be perceived a certain way. Remember, or, remember Butch Cassidy, don't, what did he say? Don't sugarcoat it, Sundance. <laughs> and that's when you say just and yeah. I'm so sorry. You're sugarcoating things. If you're a leader, you need to use those words. Another thing that oftentimes people do when they're sitting in a meeting, they preface things like, well, I think yes women do that that well, drives I me nuts think or i believe now or so maybe or this might right. work or what do you think about right that and so what happens is if somebody says what do you believe well then i'm going to say i believe because they've asked me that question right but if if you're having a conversation make sure that if people, if you're giving your opinion, they know it's your opinion, mm -hmm. you're speaking. Yep. The man doesn't, most men don't qualify it with, I, I, I believe, they say, this is what, I, this is what we should do, mm -hmm. uh, or this is what we're gonna have to do. They should definitely support why, yep. so we don't wanna just make a statement because that makes you sound less uh, credible. strong and yeah. credible. But you don't want to uh, belittle what you're saying and your value by prefacing it with, it's your idea, they know it's your idea. Right, when I'm coaching, when I'm working with my clients on their communication, I, I work with a lot of people on building presentations, putting together the content of their presentation and then the visual aids and then the delivery, the verbal and nonverbal delivery of that content. And I have noticed over the years that the women I work with tend to be more meek in their delivery. They tend to use more wavering words. They tend to, their, their voice drops and becomes lower and softer when they're talking about something that's maybe their idea versus just coming out with it and owning that idea and the greatness of that idea. And so I'll tell the women I work with a lot, 
own your power. Don't step back from it. Don't be afraid of it. Rejection is going to happen whether you're a man or you're a woman. And maybe it's because men grow, grow up asking girls out and get rejected all the time <laughs> that they're not as fearful of rejection. Well, I don't know, but, um, but you need to own your power and you need to communicate with strength. And when we start to do that, that's when we can really start to bridge this divide from a communication standpoint anyway, which will go a long way in bridging the divide in general. Right. Uh, I was coaching uh, a woman. She was vice president of a bank, and she was telling me that when she would go to meetings, she didn't feel valued. And as we unpacked what was happening, she was doing what a lot of women do, and that is to give a verbal dump. And that goes back to what um, I was saying about Amy Kobachar women have this higher standard so they feel they have to prove themselves to prove yourself you have to tell if you're asked a question you have to you want to tell every single thing you know about this topic for fear that you won't be valued if you don't give it all once we started unpacking it and i started coaching her on how to go to a meeting how to listen to the question answer the question she obviously had more information, but to make sure that she first answered that question, and then if there was a follow-up or she needed to add, she could, but not to do a verbal dump. She went from feeling in meetings that she wasn't valued to actually telling me that she overheard her boss say to his boss, you know, that's the lady we want at the meetings because she really gets the information out. So that's a way to think about it. Don't just tell everything because you want to prove that you know yeah. it. Yeah, that that's a very good point. And to, to add to that point, men do tend to be more concise and to the point, not all of them, trust me, I've met plenty that like yes, to ramble on and on and on. And that's something that I've been lucky, and maybe it's because I studied communication both at the undergrad and the graduate level, but I've been lucky. I tend to be a pretty direct person if I'm not in a conversational type setting, even in conversation a lot of times, but I tend to be pretty direct when I go into meetings and things like that. And it's something that I learned at a young age that don't just dump everything out, get to the point if they wanna know more they'll ask more and that's an important leadership quality. So women, yes. as you're wanting to grow as a leader, if you look at most leaders, they're, they're high Ds. They're very direct, they're very driven. They want to know what is it and how do we fix it right away, get to the point, and then if they wanna know more information, they will ask and they will dig down. And so it's important to be able to develop those communication skills and those qualities Absolutely. around that to be more direct in your communication. Um, so we've been talking about bridging the divide. We've talked about a lot of different strategies that they can, that women can use, as well as men to start to bridge the divide. I think we've focused a lot on women. What are some things that men can do, in your opinion, to improve their communication uh, with each other and with women and help to bridge this divide? Well, I think that men need to work on, I, I almost wanna say their listening skills, because they're listening for information. Uh, they're not really listening for the whole picture, and so sometimes that's where there are breakdowns, whether they're in a meeting talking to women or men. So I think that they need to listen. They also, I think there's a lot of unconscious bias that men come to the table with, and I believe that the only way we're gonna really bridge this 
generational divide and uh, overcome some of this is to really have open and honest conversations and for men to realize some of the prejudices or uh, unconscious bias that they come to the table with. Uh, I want and women as well. Some women come to the table with unconscious biases about men, assuming that they're going to communicate in a certain way or they're going to perceive them in a certain way. And so as women, we have to let go of that as well because it's a two-sided thing there. Right. And what we have to realize in the world of work that a lot of the men that we come in contact with Remember, we go back to socialization. This is how they've been raised. Mm -hmm. They've been raised to look at women in a different light, even though the younger generations are definitely grew up in worlds where their mothers were working as well as their fathers. Mm -hmm. They still saw a lot of this generational divide, I mean, gender divide, uh, even though they are in a, a different generation. Yeah. And I was going to, I was sharing with you, I was going to share, there was a, a commercial done. Um, by Audi for the Super Bowl in, in 2017 and it was the the commercial was a young lady a young girl was going to compete in a soapbox derby race and when she got there kind of gal huh, that's <laughs> right and and so the father who clearly was probably an older millennial um, clearly supported this she didn't build this soapbox derby by her uh, car by herself. She didn't get to this race by herself. She had parental support. So dad was giving all of those messages that yes, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. You can be whoever you want to be. There's no gender in this. And so you watch that and you think, wow, yes, the, this is exactly like you were talking about your sister raising her children. And then the commercial goes, and you're watching her, the little girl, compete in this race, and she's amazing. Mm -hmm. And all the other kids competing are little boys, but they let you hear what the father is thinking. And this is where I'm coming from, that even though he's given this overt message that she can do anything she wants, in his brain, he says, what do I tell my daughter? Do I tell her? that her grandpa's worth more than her grandma? That her dad is worth more than her mom? Do I tell her that despite her education, her intelligence, her skills, she will automatically be valued less than any man she ever meets? So that's what he's thinking, yet he's, he's doing one thing, so it's do as I say or do as I think. And of course, in the end, yes, the little girl wins the soapbox derby, and as he's walking to the car, it's like the aha moment. He goes, hmm, or will I be able to tell her something else? And I hope that as we move along that we do tell our children that not only consciously we tell our daughters and our sons that they can do anything, and that when we walk into the workplace that men and women value them for their skills and their intelligence and their experience and knowledge, but that we don't unconsciously think something else. And when until we can really do that, I don't think the gender divide is going to be um, gone. Yeah, and I think that's a beautiful note to end on, and it comes down to one thing, which is mindfulness. 
Absolutely. Being conscious instead of living in this unconscious state and not realizing your actions and what you're thinking and what you're communicating and how you are. The first step is doing things like listening to podcasts like this. Thank you very much for being oh, here today. Thank you for inviting me. It was a lot of fun. And, and, and I hope our audience out there uh, got something from it because I think we've had a great conversation. Yes, I, I've really enjoyed this. And the first step is openly communicating Absolutely. about it. The second step is once you hear this kind of message, being mindful of your communication, being mindful of your unconscious biases and taking the steps to become more mindful and conscious about the things that you think, the things that you feel, the things that you communicate, and ultimately how we can start to bridge this gap together. So I thank you for joining this episode of Coffee and Conversation. Uh, Peggy, if they want need to get a hold of you, if, they, if you want to work with Peggy or just learn more from her, how do they get a hold of you? Well, you can, um, if you Google uh, Speaking Skillfully, that's one way, or uh, my name is Peggy Bud, and it's just PeggyBud.com. You can reach me that way, or Peggy at PeggyBud.com is a great email, and you can reach me that way. So please uh, reach out to me. I would love to help you in any way I can to empower you to be an effective communicator, which will ensure you are going to be successful in the workplace. Thank you. Thank you, and thanks for being here. And make sure to go log on to Encaptive.com and check out Encaptive and how you can make your next presentation, your group presentation or training session, more interactive and engaging, as well as bridge that communication divide through technology for in-person interactions. Thank you, and have a great day.